Um, we're going to read God's Word. Um, if you want to turn to John chapter 7, sorry, John chapter 6. Um, John chapter 6, going to read um, from verse 25 through to verse 40. Um, I've been off for a few days this last week, so feeling refreshed, you'll be glad to hear, um, ready to open up God's Word. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're ready to listen um, and hear what God would have to say to you as well. We're in our series, Blessing Begins With Hunger. Um, two weeks ago, Rick led us in John chapter 4, uh, where we thought about the woman at the well, and we thought about these living waters that Jesus alone can bring. And then last week, Shane was in John chapter 7 again, um, encouraging us to come thirsty to Jesus, um, and that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings into our lives those streams of living water that will flow from within us. Really challenged by that last week. Thanks to Rick and thanks to Shane last week. So John chapter 4, John chapter 7. And just to really confuse you, we're going to go to John chapter 6. We're kind of jumping around a little bit. So John chapter 6 today. Um, blessing begins with hunger. Um, reading from verse 25 through to verse 40. Jesus, the bread of life. Let's read God's word together. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures the eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Um, there's so much going on uh, in this moment in John chapter 6. Um, so much going on. And just prior to this moment, to set a bit of context to where we're at in John chapter 6, 
just prior to this, Jesus had fed the 5,000 plus. Now, um, we often talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000, but that was only men. The total number of people fed that um, on that occasion probably, uh, it was probably between 15 and 20,000. Um, so I'm going to call it the feeding of the 20,000 um, rather than the feeding of the 5,000. Um, Jesus in that moment reveals his power um, that he is the ultimate provider for his people, for people who are needing fed and provided for. The truth is that, that with Jesus, we bring all that we have. In fact, we bring the little that we have, and um, when we put it in the hands of Jesus, he immeasurably multiplies even our smallest of offerings, even the smallest that we can bring to him, such as his power. It's a, big, it's a big lesson from that moment, isn't it? I wonder what you bring to Jesus this morning. Before we go any further, I wonder what you've brought in through these doors. As you bring your life, as you bring your individual life, as you bring your family, as you bring the person that you've come in with, what do you bring? Does it feel like a little? Maybe you feel a little bit broken and beaten up. Maybe you feel like you've lost something in life. You bring it all in through these doors and we come before the one who takes it. And in his hands, he can do immeasurably more with our lives than all that we could ever ask for or imagine. Jesus has fed this crowd miraculously. And then following that moment, immediately following that moment, we read that, that Jesus gets in a boat and he walks on stormy water in the evening, in the dark, in the middle of a lake. It's amazing. Miraculous Jesus. And in that moment, he calms the disciples' fears with simple words of self-identification. Jesus says to them, it is I. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus says, it is I. And in that moment, Jesus alludes to Yahweh's own self-disclosure in Exodus chapter 3. You might remember that moment at the burning bush where, where Yahweh, God Almighty, the one true living God, speaks to Moses and he says, I am, I am who I am. And the echo of that in this moment is really, really important because that moment echoes into this moment and Jesus is saying, I am, I am, I am God. I am the son of God. That's really, really important that we understand that. This is who he is. Do not be afraid. It is I. It is I am. You see, who Jesus is is more important than what he has just done. As we gather to worship this morning, I had this incredible sense that, that Jesus wants us this morning to just know who he is, to know who he is before we ask anything of him, that we would just desire him, that we would long for him, for his presence, for his person, for who he is as the son of God, rather than all of the blessings that we know he can bring to us. Who he is is more important than what he has just done in this moment. And naturally, I think, um, the crowds of people who were there when Jesus fed the 5,000, uh, naturally, they go in search of Jesus the next day. They want to find him. They're like, where is he? Where is the miracle maker? Where is this rabbi who has done such a miraculous thing? 
And so this morning, I want to take us into this moment where um, in John chapter 6, Jesus reveals himself as the bread of life. And I want to think about three kinds of bread um, as we do this. And no, it's not nine grain honey oat or hearty Italian. Um, I don't want to think about flat bread or anything like that. I want to think about these three types of bread. Decaying bread, daily bread, and then eternal bread. Daily, uh, decaying bread, daily bread, and eternal bread. See, the crowd go in search of Jesus for all of the wrong reasons. They want to find him because of the miracle that he has just done. And when they get to Jesus, they find him and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? We've been looking for you. You have just fed us yesterday and we're pretty hungry again today. And it's really interesting when they say this to Jesus, when did you get here? Jesus doesn't stumble or fumble around with his words. Look at what Jesus says. He says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you've had your fill. You're looking for me because you have eaten bread and you've had your fill and you want more bread. You want me to fill your empty stomachs again. See, the person in the presence of Jesus has always confused people. And maybe you're here and you're not overly sure about who Jesus really is. In this moment, there's a misunderstanding about who Jesus is. The people in this crowd misunderstand what's really going on. In fact, they're wrong in their understanding of who Jesus is. They followed him for bread and fish. They want him to feed them again, physically feed them with the bread and the fish that they received the day before. They want Jesus to give them the material provision that they know he can provide them with. Um, I watched a, a YouTube video. You know when you waste time on YouTube and you come across random, random things? Maybe it's just me who does that now and again. In weaker moments of the flesh, um, I stumble... I stumble into YouTube um, and end up watching all kinds of things. Well, I watched a video on, uh, on YouTube of a guy who sets up um, what he called Not Burger King. Um, okay, Not Burger King, down the street from a real Burger King, random stuff that you find on YouTube. Um, and he basically goes to Burger King and he orders 30 cheeseburgers, 30 chicken burgers, um, and 30 Whoppers from Burger King. Um, and then he goes down the road to his wee shop and he puts up a sign above his shop front that says, Not Burger King. Um, and then he proceeds to offer free food. Um, he offers not cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers. He offers not chicken burgers, chicken burgers. And he, he offers, is the best one, floppers, which are Whoppers. And lo and behold, people come. People start to realize this guy's giving out free food. Um, and I think they realize that it's Burger King um, and he's giving it out for free. Of course, people come whenever free food is on offer. Who doesn't want to go where there's free food? But in this moment, it seems like this crowd who are following Jesus, in this moment, that's all they're really interested in. Jesus calls it food that spoils, food that spoils, food that will waste away. We could say that these people in the crowd are materialists. 
They want material provision from Jesus. They have materialistic notions of the kingdom of God. They're seeking someone, a miracle worker, this rabbi, who will fill their stomachs and make them happy again. More than that, they want a a miracle-working king. See, this crowd we've already learned in John's gospel, they're looking for that political king who will overthrow the Roman oppression that was upon them as a people. They want a, a Messiah king who will set them free from Roman rule. The truth is they wanted a political takeover, but Jesus has come for a heart takeover. They want a political king. He comes as the king of their hearts. Doesn't want to take over a nation. He wants to occupy the human heart. See, we all, if we're honest, we can all want the material over the spiritual. Let's be honest. We all chase after things. We run after all kinds of material things in life. We all do. I'm not going to list those things. We do that all the time in church, but we run after those things. We chase after materialism. Even in church, all of this, we chase after the blessings that God can provide for us. We thank God that church is a place where we're blessed abundantly. But sometimes we can simply chase after the blessing or the material things that that God can provide us with. But in this moment, Jesus reminds this crowd that that the miracles that that he performs in front of them, they're simply signs. More than being miracles, they are signs that point them to who he really is. You see, with the feeding of the 5,000 plus, there was a miraculous provision for the people, but more importantly, there was a miraculous sign Jesus was saying who he really was. The hungry crowd have fed off the miraculous provision and they want more of what Jesus can bring to them, but they have failed to see the miraculous sign that points to Jesus as the bread of life. It's who he is. He is the bread of life. See, in their desire for material provision, that Jesus can bring to their lives, they fail to see the miraculous revelation of who Jesus can be in their lives, who he wants to be within them, because Jesus is I am. He is the great I am. He is the son of God. He has come as the bread of life. I think in our world today, the same thing happens over and over again. People get so caught up in the material pursuit of things and stuff in this life that they fail to see the greater sign that points them to the one who made it all, to our God, to King Jesus, that all of our greatest needs are found and met in him. I wonder, could this be true of you? If you've walked in here this morning or if you're listening online, how obsessed are you Or have you become in your pursuit of the material things of this life at the expense of knowing Jesus? Just right where you're at in life, those promotions, that job you long for, that pay increase, that family life, whatever it might be, 
I wonder how much those things have, have superseded the place that only Jesus can take within our hearts. And so in verse 28, the crowd asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What, what a question. What must we do, Jesus, to do the works that God requires of us? That's the default of the human heart, isn't it? Lord Jesus, what must we do? What's the work that we must do? How can we earn our way towards God? What is it that you want us to do? What is the work of God? What does God require us to do? And look at Jesus' answer. It's stunning. Look at the response of Jesus. He says this, the work of God is this. The work of God is this. Are you ready for it? Here's the work of God. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. That's our work. Jesus said it before you call me a heretic. That's not heresy. It's the word of Jesus. The work of God, the work, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. The work of God is not to help yourself to be a better person. Maybe God will somehow then approve of you. The work of God is not to get your life all tidied up before you come before him. The work of God is not to work your way up towards some kind of salvation, some kind of approval before the throne of God. That's not the work of God. You see, God helps the helpless. If you're here this morning and you don't yet trust in Jesus, you need to come before him, help us. You've got nothing to bring. Nothing you will do will ever be enough. You bring yourself. God helps the helpless, those who believe in the one that he has sent. How liberating is that? The work of God is this. The work of God is this. The work of God is to believe. To believe in the one that he has sent. I wish it in school teachers had said that about maths, you know. <laughs> the work of mathematics is just to believe what I'm telling you is true. And you'll get an A star. I'd have just, I, I mean, I would have just said, I believe you. I'm out. I believe. I'm, I'm leaving. But Jesus is saying the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent, to believe in Jesus, to believe in his life, sinless life, to believe in his death on a cross for sinners like us, that he gave his life for you, to believe in his resurrection. We've sung about it already, that he rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death forever. Believing that he will one day come back again to take us to be with him forever. Do we believe that? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This crowd are, are, are living for decaying bread. They only want the material stuff of life. Then the crowd ask Jesus about what sign they will be given. And they're pretty intelligent because they remember the stories of old. 
and they recall the manna that their ancestors had eaten in the wilderness, the miraculous bread that fell from heaven that God provided each day for his people. Manna, if you're unaware of what manna was in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, describes manna like this. It was white like coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Actually, doesn't sound too bad. Manna. Let's think about manna for a moment. See, the Israelites in the wilderness, they grumbled their way through. They grumbled and they grumbled because they had no food. Their stomachs were constantly rumbling. And so God provided for them. He gave them this manna described as thin flakes like frost that would appear miraculously on the ground early in the morning. And they could gather just as much as they needed, but they couldn't store any for the next day or for the next week, except on the Sabbath Eve, when they were allowed to gather two days of rations so that they didn't work on the Sabbath. If they did gather extra disobediently, if they did that, it would be full of maggots, we read in the Bible, and it would begin, it would begin to smell really bad. So they weren't allowed to store any. You know that smell when you open the fridge? It's like, oh, there's rotten food in there. That's what happened with the manna. If they stored any disobediently, um, it began to be full of maggots, and it went terribly off. But the key lesson is this, and listen to me on this. The key manna lesson was that there would be just enough bread from heaven, just enough bread to feed their hungry stomachs one day at a time. One day at a time. We read that the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. It sustained them. Manna was daily bread one day at a time for 40 years. Daily bread, one day at a time for 40 years. Imagine, what a diet. It would do us all good. Now, you younger generations in the room, you younger generation, young adults and you young people, I know that the pace of your life is really, really fast. And I love to see that. I love your energy and your enthusiasm. I love the fast pace of your lives. But as you go on, I want you to hear what we're thinking about in this moment. The Christian life, the, the manna lesson is that we serve a God who provides enough bread for that day. Maybe you're someone who likes to get ahead of yourself. Maybe you're a real go-getter. I want to know what's around the corner. I want to know what job God is going to give me, and I want to know if I'm going to get married to that beautiful girl one day, or whatever it might be. I want to know what's around the corner. I want to know what's coming down the line. You kind of want to know what the future might hold. Well, the lesson here is that God is a God of today. The life of faith is to be lived at a day by day pace, the cadence, the rhythm that Jesus sets for your life is daily bread. Bread for today, and guess what? Bread for tomorrow when the sun comes up again, and day for the, uh, bread for the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Betsy Childs Hard writes this. Listen to this. She says, your needs for today may not be all that daunting. 
But the thought of what it will take to persevere for a lifetime can be overwhelming. Maybe singleness, she says, isn't so bad today, but can you bear it for the rest of your life? Maybe you have peace in the face of your cancer diagnosis, but where will you get the strength to cope with seemingly endless cycles of chemotherapy? If you feel like you don't have enough fortitude for the future, that's because God doesn't give grace in a lifetime supply. He provides it one day at a time. If you doubt God has given you the capacity to endure your trial for a lifetime, you can rest assured that he hasn't. But he has given you exactly what you need to flourish today. Today. This is critical for us to understand this. Manna, white like coriander seed, tasting like wafers and honey, didn't fall in one big 40-year dump drop out of some kind of heavenly cargo plane. That's not what happens. It fell from heaven. Softly. Softly. One day at a time. It's beautiful, isn't it? When the sun came up, there was manna. Fed them for that day. The sun went down. Then the sun came up and there was manna. And it fed them for that day. And then the night came. And then the sun came up and there was manna for the next day. And so it went on. To believe in Jesus is to know his supply of daily bread. Grace enough for the day that's dawning. There's a reminder in the middle of this of daily bread. And then we come to, to eternal bread. And this is what I want to lead us in the sharing around the Lord's table. The people are looking for this decaying bread. Jesus offers daily bread. And he's able to do that because he is the eternal bread of heaven. He is the true bread from heaven. And he gives life to the world. Verse 27, Jesus says to the crowd, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which I will give you. Jesus wants to lift their minds from earthly desires to heavenly realities. He wants to move their attention from materialistic notions to spiritual desires and passions. Rick reminded us a couple of weeks ago of the woman, and um, the Samaritan woman at the well. Do you remember that moment? She's introduced to Jesus, and Jesus discloses that he is that supply of water that springs up to eternal life. And she says in that moment to Jesus, she says, sir, give me some of this water so that I won't uh, get thirsty anymore and have to keep coming back here to draw water. It's a beautiful moment. And Jesus says that he is the spring of living water that will spring up the eternal life. It's very similar in this moment, this crowd have come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, sir, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never, ever be thirsty. It's the heartbeat of this series. Blessing begins with hunger. Our God is looking for hungry and thirsty people. Not for the material blessings that God can bring not for whatever pursuit you're looking for on earth. He wants you to be hungry and thirsty for him, for him, for who he is, 
for the life that he brings, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is life. Jesus is real life. Jesus is life in all of its fullness. Jesus is eternal life. He brings eternal life. We want to be a life-giving church. It's always been my agenda as a church leader, pastor, minister here, wherever God has me, to bring the life-giving presence of Jesus that streams of living water would flow through me to anyone I meet and that you would do the same and that among us there would be that sense of life that Jesus alone can bring even with all of our heartache and pain that's among us in a room like this that streams of living water would be flowing the spirit of God would be at work that the bread of life would be what we feed off See, Jesus brings life. He alone satisfies our deepest needs and he does it for all eternity. Whoever truly comes to him will never go hungry or thirsty again. The hunger games are over. The thirst games are over. Jesus says, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. We're gonna share in a moment in communion we're going to do that because we believe everything that's within us that Jesus is the bread of life we're going to feed off him again the crowd don't really get it in this moment, it baffles me they're so thick <laughs> I didn't think that would be that funny by the way but it's just my language. They're so stupid. They're so thick. Because Jesus says, still you do not believe. You've seen me do the stuff, the miracles. Still you don't believe in what the miracle points to. It's just a sign pointing to who I am. What about you? You're sitting here this morning. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you realize that the work of God is this? To believe in the one that he has sent? Do you believe in the one that God has sent? Do you hunger and thirst for him, for what he has done for you? Blessing begins with hunger, hunger for the bread of life. Jesus has come, not for some political takeover. He's come to take over your heart, to occupy your heart. I wonder, does your heart belong to King Jesus? He is the bread of life. We're going to come in a moment to share in, in the Lord's Supper. But on down in John 6, on down in John 6, verse 53 through to verse 58, if you want to look at that, Jesus continues this dialogue. And he says, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. 
Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors, they ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus is speaking figuratively of who he is as the bread of life. We feed off him. He is our life. The Lord's Supper reminds us of this. Communion reminds us of all of that. This is one of the most mysterious yet beautiful gifts that the Lord has given us. When we sit around the Lord's table, we're reminded of that beautiful eternal union that we have with Jesus. That I am his and he is mine. I am in him, he is in me. We're in eternal union forever. And then we experience not only sweet communion with him in his presence, but also beautiful communion with one another. And so when we gather like this, when we gather to listen to God's word, to worship God together, to break bread together, to pray together, something profoundly spiritual happens among us. We participate in the life of God. We participate in the life of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're being, being drawn closer to him. His presence is among us. The spirit of the living God is here. His life is here. We are his body here on earth. God is here. We feed upon Jesus as the bread of life. Maybe you've ignored God all week. This is your opportunity to draw close again, to come back to the Father. Let me invite our worship team forward. Now I'm in a few moments. Our elders are going to distribute the bread um, and the wine, and it is their joy to serve you. Today we've been praying already, early this morning. It is their joy to serve you um, once again this morning. Um, when you receive the elements, as we always do here in Carmoni, just hold on to them um, for a moment or two. Um, you can just hold on to the little cup, and then you can hold on um, to the bread when you receive it. Just hold on to it, and we'll eat and drink together. Um, because these moments for us are very much family, church family moments, and we want to eat um, and drink together. Um, so we do that as a family, as a church family. So just hold on uh, until we share together. And just a reminder also that communion tokens, if you fill one of those in, um, please do that. You can drop those into the offering plates as you leave um, later on in our service. Gluten-free bread, if you haven't got it and you're gluten-free, is available in the vestibule um, with the elders. And just a word again, and I think this is always important to say, if you're here um, and you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here. Oh, we are so glad that you're with us. I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, and it, just let the bread and wine pass you by. But you know what? As it does pass by, if your heart is not in Christ Jesus, I want you to think, why have I not received the bread of why have I not received the bread of life? I'm going to pray in a moment, but before I pray, I want you to listen really carefully. 
I read something last night, um, something beautiful, stunning, written by a Christian friend who was trying to help his struggling Christian friend who had messed up big time, right? He really messed up. He had done some awful things. And here's what he wrote. He says, we trip, fall, we land in the black. But with grace, a friend comes to show a pinpoint of light. I knew what he had done. But I still loved him. I told him that I loved him too. He found that really hard to take. That he was worthy of anyone's love. That he was a sinner just like me. Then he says this. He says, we were both sinners trying to find bread. We were both sinners trying to find bread. And then he quotes that. I think Brennan Manning said this. He said, Christianity is just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. I'm here as a friend this morning to tell you where bread is found. Jesus is the bread of life. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, please come to the bread of life. Let's pray together and then we're going to share in communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your presence is among us. Thank you for your great love for us, demonstrated most profoundly that while we were still sinners, Christ, your son, died for us. Lord God, we acknowledge that we are just beggars and fools, (laughs) but we have found the bread of life. We know that Jesus is the bread of life. And so as friends, we share in that bread, that life-giving bread once again this morning. Lord God, we confess our wayward hearts and our sinful ways before you. We, we know that, that we sin, that we offend your heart. Our sin is always before us. Lord God, we confess that before you once again today. In this moment, Father, grant us mercy and grace once again. We thank you Lord Jesus, that you're the bread of life. In a world of decaying bread, you have come as the bread that brings life, eternal life to this world. It's the bread of life. You alone bring forgiveness and healing, nourishment for our hungry and thirsty souls. Holy Spirit of God, fill this place with your life-giving presence. We feast on the bread of life. We thank you that the bread of life brings daily sustenance to us. How we need that, God. Day by day, provision from heaven for our every need. And so in these moments, come close to us. May we experience communion with you, Father. Envelop us with a sense of your love, a sense of your presence, your nearness, your grace. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can draw near to your throne, God, with the full assurance of what our faith brings. 
We thank you that the work of God is this, to believe in the one that you have sent. We believe in Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer, the Lord of Lords and the King of our hearts. And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you have said, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Help us to hear that now as we prepare to receive bread and wine. May we be enabled to have deep communion with Jesus and with one another in this moment. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.